Welcome to The Accelerators. Here for you are a series of tried and tested and proven real world ideas to help you create and enjoy a business and a life of choice. The Accelerators, because success loves speed. And now we come to the interview of the month. And this month, I'm delighted to bring you the first part of a two-part interview I did with Roy H. Williams, The Wizard of Ads. I first came across The Wizard when my wife bought me his book, Secret Formulas of The Wizard of Ads. I was so taken with it, I bought one of his other books called The Wizard of Ads. They're just brilliant. So I contacted Corrine, Roy's secretary, and asked if he'd be available for an interview. I'm delighted to say he was. Let me tell you a little bit about Roy H. Williams, The Wizard of Ads. His books and Monday morning memos are a constant source of fascination and entertainment for his students and friends around the globe. His first book, The Wizard of Ads, was voted Business Book of the Year in 1998. His second book, Secret Formulas of the Wizard of Ads, was named the Wall Street Journal's number one business book in America in 1999 and it became a New York Times bestseller. The third book in the trilogy, Magical Worlds of the Wizard of Ads, reached bestseller status again in late 2001. His fascinating fourth book, Accidental Magic, is a tightly condensed anthology of writing tips and insights mixed with artistic examples provided by 106 of his amazing protégés. The Wizard's first fiction book, Destinée, is a powerful allegory aimed directly at the heart of the reader. Once introduced as the most magnetic and mesmerising speaker in the world today, The Wizard has been trying to live up to those words ever since. Most attendees agree that his action-packed seminar, Advertising in America, What Works, What Doesn't and Why, is perhaps the most entertaining and enlightening three hours they've ever experienced. The brainchild of his wife, Penny, Wizard Academy was founded as a way to get her husband off the road. Instead of sending him to them for a few hours, why not let them all come here for a few days? But not even Princess Penny knew how well her idea would work. Since its launch in May of 2000, Wizard Academy has attracted a roster of students that includes many of the world's most forward-thinking and successful CEOs, educators, journalists, inventors and consultants. The Wizard Academy reunion each autumn is an event not to be missed. With nine branch offices in the US, Canada and Australia, Wizard of Ads is now serving the advertising and marketing needs of business owners around the globe. I know you'll enjoy the interview. Let's go and hear it now. Hello there, Roy. Thanks very much indeed for sparing the time to be on The Achiever's Edge. I really appreciate it. How's life with you? Life is good, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you, Peter. Thanks very much indeed, Roy. Can you tell me to start with, and I've got lots of unusual questions for you, a little bit of background. How did you get involved in writing copy and discovering all your ideas about communication? Well, it was the old story of how necessity is the mother of invention. I was in media sales and was desperately poor. Therefore, when I took someone's money, it was like, wow, you know, I understood in my own heart what that money meant to me. And I was making a small percentage of what they were spending, of course, as a commission. Therefore, the amount that they were risking, to me, was just this unbelievably huge responsibility that I had. And too often, the ads didn't generate what I had hoped for or perhaps even had intimated. You know, you're always telling success stories and you're painting this beautiful picture of a glorious future. And then when it didn't turn out that way, I felt horrible. And I went looking for the answers. And I found out, you know, I don't think there's that many people out here who really know what they're talking about when it comes to advertising and marketing and the writing of ads, I was finding mostly smoke and mirrors and fluff and hype. 
and hyperbole and just, you know, happy talk. And so I decided, gee, I'm going to have to just hunker down and try to plow through this and figure some things out. And here we are 25 years later, and people are paying attention to the few of the things that I think I know. I think they certainly are paying attention. I've read two of your books, and I know you've got four books out, Roy, and particularly your first book, The Wizard of Ads, was voted Business Book of the Year in 1998, and then Secret Formulas of The Wizard of Ads was named the Wall Street Journal's number one business book in America in 1999. Most people, I think, who will be listening to us now may not have been exposed yet to those. Let's hope this does that. But can you go through some of the key messages, without giving away the ranch, obviously, some of the key messages in there that you show people can improve their advertising and communication? I'll tell you what, in a nutshell, Peter, there are two kinds of customers. There's the transactional customer and the relational customer. Now, both of us are each of those customers. I'm both transactional and relational, as are you, but we are transactional in some categories and relational in others, and that differs from person to person. Now, a transactional customer is thinking short-term, They're focused on getting the most benefit for the least money. They're enjoying the process of research and negotiating and comparison shopping, and therefore they're not looking for an expert. They plan on being their own expert, and they're enjoying the process. And for them, it's kind of sad when they finally make the choice and the adventure is over. And so after they've made the purchase, the only way to ruin their day is to let them find the same item somewhere else for 10 cents cheaper. <laughs> now, the transactional customer is committed to you making no money. They're committed to buying from whoever is willing to accept the lowest profit. And they don't want to hear about service after the sale or how many years you've been in business or, you know, blah, blah, blah. They want to know, what have you done for me today? The other shopping mode is when we are in relational shopping mode. And we don't want to make a career out of, you know, we're not going to read consumer reports and we're not going to go online and study this to death. We're looking for an expert that we believe we can trust, somebody that will really shoot straight wrist, tell us what it is that we need. We just want our problem solved. We consider our time spent shopping to be part of the purchase price. And we're willing to spend more money to save time. And our only fear, we're not afraid of paying too much, our fear is buying the wrong one. Our fear is making a poor choice. Now, we specialize as a company, and in all of my books, they're written toward how to attract the relational customer, because that is the customer who will be your customer for life. They're not just looking for where to buy the product. They're looking for who to buy it from. They're looking for someone to be their go-to person from now on in that category. And that's how branding works. That's how brands are built. And so to answer the question succinctly, Peter, in the age-old story of the tortoise and the hare, we are the tortoise people. And my books are written to those companies who think tortoise thoughts. And they're not looking for hype. They're not looking for gimmicks. They're not looking for ways to whip up a crowd and, you know, try to get in people's pockets today. They're looking for ways to be the company the customer thinks of immediately and the one they feel the best about whenever they need what you sell. 
Beautiful explanation. So in the books, and I say I've read them, could you share a couple of key ideas in there? Particularly, I know you talk about the idea that most people think that most people are more visually based when it comes to memory, whereas I think that you've discovered, if I've understood the message correctly, that they're more auditory based and they hang on to words if those words are appropriate. Oh, absolutely. And to expand upon what you just said, the greatest myth that has ever been perpetuated in the history of commerce is that one picture is worth a thousand words. The second greatest myth is that we remember more of what we see than what we hear. In fact, the opposite is true. Eyes, ears, and skin are not only three separate organs in the body, but they are connected to entirely unrelated parts of the human brain where information, data that is gathered, is stored processed and retrieved from memory in entirely unrelated ways. And when you understand that visual memory is very poor in comparison with our auditory memory. Now, I know this goes counter to what a lot of people have been taught. However, I quote in some detail in my books people like Professor Steven Pinker, who has written a number of books, one of which was called The Language Instinct. Now, Steven Pinker, until recently, was the chair of the Department of Brain and Cognitive Science at MIT. I understand he recently left MIT and is now has that position at Harvard. Likewise, we quote at some links Dr. Alan Badley, B-A-D-D-E-L-E-Y, from England, who wrote the book in 1986, Working Memory, and talks about the three levels of memory, working memory, declarative memory, and procedural memory, the difference being Working memory is conscious awareness, it's imagination, it is short-term and electrical. Long-term memory is procedural memory, and it is chemical, involuntary and automatic. Therefore, when your name pops into the customer's head, when they need what you sell, instinctively, automatically, and without struggle, that is long-term procedural memory. How to plant procedural memory? We go into that a little. But this idea of Professor Pinker that the human creature is uniquely gifted biologically in only one way, and it's our ability to attach complex meanings to sounds. Most of the animals can see better than we can. They can smell up to one million times better than we can. That's laboratory tested, by the way, with beagles and bloodhounds. They can smell one one millionth of the particles per thousand of what it takes to register in human perception. Likewise, vibrations, things above and below the range of human hearing, but they attach no complex meanings to those things. And our ability to attach meanings to sounds, and these sounds are called words, that's what makes us the kings of this planet. And it's what allows us to communicate with each other. And then we create written symbols, these visual symbols to make the spoken word permanent. That's called the written language. However, it's of relatively recent invention, Peter. You see, the written language has no meaning until it has been translated into the sound it represents. Only the sounds of the words have meaning in the mind. And so, when you understand all of this, the architecture, construction, and functions of the different parts of the brain, and how thoughts come from the different senses and are gathered in multisensorial mental images, which is kind of back at the crown of your head. And then 
Those are routed through Broca's area, which has three functions, one of which is to anticipate and reject the predictable. Another function of Broca's area, and remember, this is the doorway into conscious awareness, is that it attaches imagined actions to verbs, those words we call verbs, action words. So in a nutshell, if I was going to give a person, your listener, one specific recommendation to make them a better writer, it would be this. Use more verbs and fewer adjectives. And use more interesting verbs. Verbs that have a very vivid meaning, but that are not used very often or are rarely used in the context that you're using the verb. Because verbs kick open Broca's area and throw an image onto the visuospatial sketch pad of working memory. That's the technical term. We call it the mind's eye. And to surprise Broca with combinations of words that Broca's area was not anticipating causes the reader or the listener's or the viewer's awareness to escalate dramatically. I'm blown away, Roy. This is just incredible stuff. You talk there about procedural memory, if I've understood that correctly, and when the customer has your name in their procedural memory, then it pops into their conscious mind when they're thinking of buying something they previously bought from you or you'd previously advertised to them. Have I got that right? Absolutely. And the secret to that... That was going to be my question. How do you get your name as the supplier into the procedural memory of the potential customer or the current customer? Okay. First, let me give you the formula used by cognitive neuroscientists worldwide, and I'm going to give it to you in the language that they use. Okay. But procedural memory is a product of salience times repetition. Salience is simply their word for impact or relevance or importance. Now, the more important the thing is, the more salient, the greater the... I call it, um, how far does it move the needle on the who gives a crap meter? (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of ads just don't move the needle. No. But yet, if you're speaking to something that is anchored in the heart of the customer, it's already in the heart of the customer, and you're speaking to that so that it does matter to them and it's something they do care about, and it's an ad that does not have a time limit. You see, ads that generate immediate results are ads written to the transactional customer, and they have a time limit, and that's why people act immediately. But the brain is a very smart organ. And it will not put into long-term memory an ad that has an expiration date. Because, you see, that information is no longer relevant or valid. And this is why nobody can remember an ad whose expiration date has expired. An ad for an event that is over. But if the ad was deeply impressive, and the information it gave you, more importantly, not the ad, it doesn't matter whether or not you remember the ad, but whether or not you remember the information, And if the information was relevant, it was important. And if you said deep inside at some level, wow, Daesh need to remember that, then it will be filed away as long as it does not have a time limit. Now, salience, the greater the impact, the less repetition is required. The lower the impact, the lower the relevance, the more repetition is required. But hang on, repetition costs money, Peter. (laughs) The secret is to know how to escalate relevance salience, impact, so that less repetition is required. Voila, now we're getting to the root of what it is we do at Wizard of Ads. 
I'm starting to understand. Let me just phrase that back to you to make sure that I've understood this so that anybody else who's listening would also understand it. If we can create a high-impact ad that surprises broker, that has relevance to the customer at the point of reading, seeing, being exposed to the advert, the higher the impact, the less repetition, the lower the impact, the more repetition in order to get them to hold on to that information. So going back to the idea of procedural memory, it pops into their mind at the point they need it. Absolutely. Now, let me give an example of that. Please, please, yes. This is, I'm going to do from memory an actual radio ad that's running in a number of markets nationwide right now. And I will tell you, it looks like this client of ours may at the end of the year be named as the fastest growing franchise in the history of the United States. Wow. You have a problem. You want it fixed. You call the repair people. They say, uh, we'll be there between 8 a.m. and noon. <laughs> you say, can't you narrow that down a bit? They say, no. Then about... 12.30, they call and say, uh, we're running a little late. We'll be there between 1 and 5. Hey, you should have called one-hour heating and air. Always on time or you don't pay a dime. Seriously. If they're not there within the exact hour they said they would be there, then whatever you need is free. No limit. Even if it's a whole new heating and air conditioning system. Sorry we were late. Really sorry. At one hour heating and air conditioning, we know that time is money. Your time, our money. Roy, that's just great. Now, tell me, you obviously have another string to your bow as a radio announcer because you must have done all the voices for that ad as well. No, I didn't. Um, I did the, the whining little guy on the telephone. Yeah. Uh, we'll be there between 8 a.m. and noon. Yeah. But uh, I actually had one of my writers do the other voice because he just sounds like a real regular guy. He doesn't sound like a radio announcer. And his name's Tom Walters. Which, of course, is the whole key to this, isn't it? That's it. It, must it. it just have. has to sound. So here's what happens. Uh, One-hour heating and air conditioning, always on time or you don't pay a dime. In every market that they've launched that franchise, within six months, sometimes within 90 days, it has become overwhelmingly the dominant HVAC company, even against competitors that have been there 30 and 40 years. Yeah. And it's because... What we're speaking to, Peter, every listener you have right now has had that experience of waiting on some idiot repair person to show up. And when you find out, wait a minute, here's a heat and air conditioning company that guarantees they're going to be there within the exact hour they named, or whatever you need is free. Now, these guys are unconditionally committed to that. It is not a gimmick. There is no loophole. And they absolutely deliver on their promise. So, now that you've heard that, now that I just ad-libbed that ad for you, how many more times do you need to hear it to remember one-hour heating and air conditioning? Not a lot. Well, that is our theory of replacing repetition with salience, impact, relevance. And it's it the power of the message that matters. If you've enjoyed our session today, why not head over to our website where we have loads of resources on product creation, on sales, on marketing, and of course, on personal success. That's at theaccelerators.club.com. I'll see you there.